Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Let's read this out first. Genesis 26, verse 3. God is speaking to Isaac. Dwell in the land and I will be with you and bless you, God is saying. For to you and your descendants I give all the lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I think everyone needs to hear the covenant. This this is the old covenant, but we have a new covenant, but it's the same. I'll explain why. 26 verse 4 says, And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven, and I will give to you, you, your descendants, all these lands, and your seed, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, you shall be blessed. I want to talk about the nature of the covenant meaning God's relationship with his people described through these statements where God comes in like literally face to face and says to God's people or says to the man or woman of God, I am for you, I am with you. I am diligently faithful to help you in your course of life. God's relationship with his people is described throughout the Bible as the covenant word first occurs in Genesis chapter 6 verse 18 and the story of Noah and God says to Noah I am going to establish my covenant with you you're going to be excited to realize what that means in a moment and then he extends it into the New Testament where God made a new covenant with mankind through Jesus Christ and he's saying exactly the same thing through the gospel I am for you, I am with you, I I want to bless you all the days of your life. If you get with the program, if you honor me, if you're you're obeying me and, and living by the Spirit and the Word, I can bless you. And this is the story of this covenant that God keeps saying to his people, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's special covenant name as revealed in the Bible, thank you worship team, is Yahweh, translated the Lord, Genesis 2, 4. Exodus 3, 14 says, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. Are you up to me now? Yeah, good stuff, guys. Thank you, Justin. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, this is starting to get personal now. This is God speaking to his people personally. The Lord gave himself the personal name, I am who I am, which means Yahweh. A Hebrew phrase indicating this, action. I am Yahweh and I am a God of action. I'm not a God on a totem pole. I'm not an inept God. I'm not a God that's reclusive. They're saying about Donald Trump. Okay, Donald, you're in now. Hillary Clinton's having a go at him. Okay, 
um, Trump, you're in now. You need to come down from your ivory tower and you need to in engage with the people of the land. She's having a little shot at him. God's always engaging with us. He's not in an ivory tower. He's not in a penthouse. Yahweh means he's active. I love that. Yahweh. Elohim means God is great and powerful. Now, if God's standing before me, great and powerful, I'm not sure how personal that is. You know, that's awesome. I want you to be great and powerful. But when he says, Lord God, when he says, Lord, that means he's personal. That means I'm active. My loving kindness, my goodwill is towards you. You getting this? God was in effect saying to Moses, I wish to be known as the God who is present and active. Present and active. You getting this, guys? This is not information. Oh, this is a seminar about God. Uh, here's some information. The Bible says, no, God is present and active and he is anointing his word from the anointed woman or man of God, man of God, and we are imputing righteousness into you through the word of God. And he is actively, the Bible says the word of God is like a two-edged sword that is going down deep into your soul, dividing the things that are not good from the things that are of God, dividing asunder soul and spirit. Inherent in the name Yahweh is the promises of the living presence of God himself day by day with his people. Genesis 2, 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth. When they were created in that day, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When you see that, Lord God, that's a very personal, uh, a very personal description of God. Yahweh, Elohim, is the general name of God, emphasizing his greatness and power. Lord is the personal and covenant name by which God reveals himself to his own people. Inherent in the revelation of God's covenant name is his loving kindness, write it down, his redemptive concern. Let's go, guys, we're done. His redemptive concern for your marriage, for your finances, for your job. All right, I'm speaking of practical now. I'm not so caught up in the heavens, you know. His redemptive concern for your sore back, your tennis elbow, your relationship that you're estranged from. His redemptive concern for your marriage, your children. Amen? His redemptive concern. Dear God, can you just show me your redemptive concern for my life? Just having a bad day. I would just like to know that you are all over it. Don't we love that saying? He's all over it. Oh, no. He's, he's all over it. He is all over it. Oh, that's good. Thank you, Lord. He is all over it. He's loving kindness. He's redemptive concern for the human race. 
His redemptive concern for the human race. Can you get, a, can you get your head around that? The redemptive concern for this precious woman that gave her life to the Lord. She could tell, anyone could tell, she's, she's been beat up on life. The redemptive concern, if we only could explain that to that woman. And his nearness to and faithful presence with his people. It, it, this is marvelous stuff. His redemptive concern for you, his nearness of his presence, his loving kindness. The personal name is used in situations where he is seen in direct relationship to his people. Where the words Lord God are coupled together, they point to God as the all-powerful creator who has entered into a caring covenant relationship with humankind. Now, I'm going to give you some word. Are you up for it? I'm just going to keep firing the word of God at you. I want you to grab, I want you to grab the sentiments and the inference of each scripture as it tells you the care and concern, the redemptive care and concern of God towards you. I think I have a very good argument here, right here. Exodus 6.6 6 says, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord God. I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from the bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great judgments. He's stretching out to you guys. Leviticus 11.44 For I am the Lord your God. There it is. There's that redemptive concern. Loving kindness coming right at you. The nearness and faithful presence of our Lord coming right at you there. For I am the Lord your God. Reaching out to you. Caring for you with his redemptive concern. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from the bondage. And I have said that. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 11.44. You shall therefore consecrate yourself and you shall be holy. We're talking about the altar. For I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Remember Abraham went to Egypt? He went to B-plane, took things into his own hands. I've got to get my family into Egypt. Man, we're starving. There's a, there's a drought. There's a famine. I go, now, God, I'll be back. I'll be, I'll be back to the altar. I'll be back at Crossroads sometime soon. Guys, I've I, I got, got to have six months off. I've got, I got, to go, got to get a job. I've got, got to get some food on the table. I've got to, and God says, I didn't tell you to do that. Go back to the original place of the altar. We're talking about building altars. Go back to where you gave your life to the Lord and trusted Him, believed in His promises because He has a place for you to live. He has a groove for you to live in, the rhythm of grace. He has a particular place for you to live in and it's certainly not out there on the back paddocks. It's in His perfect plan, in His perfect will. And He's saying this through the Scriptures. Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? And to whom has the armor of the Lord been revealed? Me. 53.5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. 6. All we like sheep that have gone astray. All we are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Exodus 3.14 says, and God said to 
Moses, I am who I am. I'll state that scripture again. Yahweh, Hebrew word for action. I am who I am. God, we just, we just thank you that you are about doing, doing your work, doing your redemptive plan around us. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are for us. All the promises, write this down, all on this promise, this, Genesis 17, 7 says, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in all the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to, to you and your descendants after you. I love that. I was standing in the gravesite, Wales, particular church, again, hundreds of years old, and uh, Marjorie, there was my, not great, he, well, he was, there was my great, 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 but guess what? There was my great, great, great grandfather's gravesite around this particular beautiful church in Wales. Oh, my God. And, and the great, great, great grandfather's marble lid to his grave was like new. It was shining. I thought it was the newest one. He said, no, that's, that's 1870 or something. He was buried in 1870. But it was, the, it was the newest. It looked like the newest piece of stone to me in the whole thing. But that was my great, to the generations, guys. Somehow, the generational blessings that all my, all my relatives that go way back especially through my mum's side, caught up with me. And I got blessed by the covenant, God's redemptive concern for me. Went through the 70s, you know, spinning out of control. Whoa! And things are going awry. God says, my redemptive plans for that son are good. And his arm was not too short to save me. Isn't that great? That your life, your life could help the future generations because you did good with God. You held, hang, hung tough with God. It means that God firmly binds himself to his faithful people. They said to me, see that stained glass window in that church? I said, yeah, your auntie bought that. Whoa. Now come over here to this memorial board. See on this memorial board of World War I, there's your uncle and there's your grandfather. Roll of honor. God firmly binds himself to his faithful people to be their God, that his grace, say grace, that his protection, say protection, that his goodness and blessings are given to them in love. Did you get that? Did, did, did you write that down? <laughs> it means that God firmly binds himself through this covenant to his faithful people to be their God and that his grace, protection, and goodness and blessing are given to them in love. Jeremiah 11, 4 says, which I commanded your fathers in the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace saying, obey my voice and do according to all that I command you. So shall you be my people and I will be your God. 
Jeremiah 24, 7, then I will give them a heart to know me, and I am the Lord, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. That's what we're declaring right now. Jeremiah 30, verse 22 says, you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Jeremiah 32, 38, they shall be my people and I will be their God. Ezekiel eleven twenty, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. 36, 28, Ezekiel, then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Zechariah 8, 8 says, I will bring you back and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. You getting this? The ultimate goal of the covenant is redemption. Of mankind. The ultimate goal of that covenant, God is so, so actively, passionately, redemptively trying his darndest to save your friends and mine, our communities, our suburbs, our streets, our neighbors. He is, and man, if he can just get your attention on the altar, on the altar of being consecrated. To him, he can use you in a magnificent way. He honestly can. All the peoples on the earth, look out, Jesus. Back to the altar. I said it, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, his mercies in you every morning, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, it's just your reasonable service. Just your reasonable service. To, to bring, it's for all that Christ did, for all that Jesus did on the cross, it's your reasonable service to put your whole life, not just some of your life, not just a fragment of your life, but to put your whole life on the altar of his will. Did you, did you get that? No, no, I, I just want to give him my mind because look, I, I'm pretty, pretty cool with that. Just mental ascension. I just believe he's God. Look, I think, think it's pretty done deal. Look, even, even atheists are saying he did walk the earth, perform miracles, died on the cross. Look, I, I agree with the atheists. He, he did come. He did walk the earth. He performed miracles. I, I'm good with that. Uh, yeah, I'm cool with that. Look, I'm, you know, I'm not silly. I know, when, I know when there's enough evidence. One great archaeologist, he went to uni and used to argue with his uni friends and Josh McDowell was his name in the late 60s. He got so, he was a very intellectual man. He got so irritated with his with his contemporaries who were getting born again through the Jesus revolution, that he said, I'm going to show these Jesus revolution people once and for all that Jesus did not come, did not walk the earth, did not perform miracles, didn't die on a cross, didn't rise from the grave. No, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to the Holy Land. Well, he went to the Holy Land in 1969. Guess what? He got saved. <laughs> More, what's the book called? More than a carpenter, the famous book of the 70s about all the apologetics of Christ did come. And you know what, you know what that guy's ministry was? Went into all the, all the colleges of, of America. He went to the intellectuals because he knew how the intellectuals were wired. And he was able to argue, not argue, but debate with them, debate with them, debate with them. Brilliant. A brilliant turnaround. His re redemptive 
plan for that man. God's redemptive plan was magnificent. We birthed this church on the altar. We threw our whole lives down. We said, yeah, but I got a job. Put it on the altar. Yeah, but uh, we're a husband, you're a mother, we got children. Put it on the altar. The hardest thing to put on the altar in birthing the church, guess what it was? You got this said, kids. This said, uh, yeah. The hardest thing for me was putting the kids on the altar. It was like Abraham walking up Isaac. Kid, you're asking us to kill our kids, right? We've heard all the stories about ministry. This is going to kill our kids. Then, of course, Frank Houston asked us to stand up in a given meeting in Gosford. Frank Houston, Brian Houston's father, said, you, sir, stand up, you and the white, and, and your wife stand up. And he said, it's, gave us a scripture, Isaiah 53, 54, verse 13. Great will be your, your children's peace because they will be taught by the Lord. I don't know what I got out of it was that, that it was going to be good. God was going to cover the bases with my kids. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing when you give your all onto the altar and then God can speak to you? That you become a living sacrifice and God then is able to get your attention and speak to you like that through a prophetic man? Next weekend, we're praying that Fergus will speak to people and birth something in their life. Psalm 51 verse 17, the sacrifices of God are broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Did I tell you the story about Elijah last week? 1 Kings 18. You got this despot of a king, Ahab, killing the prophets of God. Then you got the prophet, Elijah. And Elijah says, blow this. We need to have a showdown. We need to have a showdown. And so he calls on all the prophets of Baal. And he calls them to come down. Get, let's go to the mountain. And let's build an altar and see whose God is God. Let, let's do that. And of course, you know the story. The prophets of Baal are calling down fire on their altar, slashing themselves and crying out. And Elijah says, oh, your God must be away. He must be traveling he, or he's sleeping or he's too busy. Yell louder, yell harder, you know, and he's sort of taunting them and mocking them. Elijah called the nation back to the altar, basically. The great need of this hour is for men and women who will rebuild the altar. The altar is the meeting place where God is where you climb Mount Moriah and give your Isaacs up to God. It is a place of sacrifice, death to self. It is a place of consecration. Elijah took 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, a picture of Israel back under God's divine government, living according to his word. He rebuilt the altar. He knew that if he could bring Israel back to the altar, he could bring them back to God. The altar is where God answers from heaven with fire. This is where I believe the church is right now. We need to reestablish the altar in our hearts and in the church. Amen? 
We need to reestablish the altar in our hearts and in the church. The altar is a place of consecration. It's a place of confession and repentance, place of surrender. It's where the prodigals come. It's where people come and surrender their life. It's where we get back with God. It's a, it's, the altar is a place of prayer. 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name and will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will turn and bless them. It's a place of healing. It's a place where we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a place where we worship God. The atmosphere of worship, inviting God into our midst where he can bless us and heal and anoint and empower us like never before. I pray he would. Then he says, get 12, get 12 barrels of water in, in the time of drought and famine. 12, 12 barrels of water, that's a big sacrifice right there. It's, it's dry, but get 12 barrels. They've done all they can, those barrels, those bar worshippers. There's no fire. There's nothing that's happened between heaven and earth. It's dead. They've, they've done everything they can. Now, Elijah says, let's up the ante. Let's up the ante. Get 12 barrels of water in the time of drought. Get 12 bar barrels of water. 1 Kings 18. Are you there already? 18. <laughs> Verse 14. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up. Oh, that's not it, is it? Let's go to 18. Then Elijah said in verse 30, chapter 18, verse 30, and Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. So Elijah calls all the people to him. I think that's what I'm trying to do right now. C3, come. Come. Help us. And they came to him, and he repaired the altar. Can you see that? And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah took 12 stones. That's representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Now that's, that's representing we need to be united, church. One for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. Your name shall be the church. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, very important, that's in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seers of seed. The seed is the word of God. The trench, man, do you know how hard it is to dig a trench? You ever dug a hole in this property, especially around the car park? Man, it's tough stuff. You ask Phil down the back there. Building an altar is tough work. Turning up to prayer meetings is tough. Praying is tough on the carnal mind. Praying is tough on your pride. Praying is tough. To build an altar is tough. Builds a trench, ranges the wood, cuts the bull into pieces and lays it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water, pour it on the offering and on the wood. That's one time. Do it again. That's two times. Do it a third time. That's three times. That's 12 barrels. The water running down around the altar. You know, I heard one man, God said, yeah, the water's running down on the altar. 
and, it, and it's turning that dirt into mud. Do you know there's a story about Jesus spitting in the dirt, making with saliva mud, and the mud becomes like this salve to cleanse the eyes, so the eyes, you don't need to be douche with the word, douche with it, keep pouring that water, and you've got to be douche, you can hear the sermon once, but sometimes you've got to be douched with it, you've got to keep hearing the word of God. I've got God TV at home, and I'm listening to the word of God all the time I can. They're sometimes the same scriptures, but I need it, I need to be douched with the word of God. I need that dirt of humanity in me to be pliable like malleable, like mud on the potter's wheel, Jeremiah 18, I need to be malleable, and the Word of God does that, and the Word of God is like water. It's like seed. The Holy Spirit is the, is the water. Water runs down around the altar and even filled the trench, 36. And that time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, he's declaring the covenant right here. And he says, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and have, have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me, Elijah says, so these people will know that your Lord are God, so that you will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. The wood, the stones, and the soil all licked up in the water and the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Love that story. Big showdown. Big showdown. Prayer is hard work, hard on the flesh, hard on pride, hard on the carnal mind. Digging that trench, man, digging that hole for those trees, man. That's the hardest ground I've ever dug in my life. And I've dug some ground in my life. I know why it was hard. The machinery had been running over and it was supposed to be the subgrade for a car park, but we didn't quite go that far. And Elijah had them dig a trench around the altar. Guys, if we're going to see the power of God manifested, there has to be more, more work around the altar. We used to do crazy work around the altar in the days when we were a little bit more radical. We used to pray and turn up for hours and pray and pray. In, in, in community halls, school halls, this hall, tents. It's hard work, guys. It's hard work. When the altar was restored and the sacrifice was placed on the altar, the fire of God fell. God is calling people everywhere back to His altar. The altar must first be established in our hearts. It's a place of prayer and surrender. Then it must be strengthened and established where God's people gather. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the people of God coming alive. All of a sudden, they're presenting themselves as a living sacrifice unto God.
hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Selfless faith to live like Christ for all our days.